Welcome to Dairy Intelligent, a podcast by VES Artex, a turntide company. Together, we will meet dairy industry intellects and passionate dairy producers to discuss all things cows and connected technologies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of VES Artex's podcast, Dairy Intelligent. I'm your host, Annie, and today I'm very excited to be joined by Dr. Aaron Cordes of the University of Minnesota. Thanks for being with us today, Dr. Cordes. To start off, please introduce yourself and give us some of your background. Thank you very much for inviting me. My research background started in measuring and estimating gas emissions from livestock farms. Through this work, starting my PhD back at the University of Saskatchewan, it's taken me through Indiana, South Dakota, and now Minnesota. And I've continued this work of measuring and estimating gas emissions, and it's it exposed me to barns and farms across the country, including swine, dairy, poultry, beef, you know, the whole gamut. Greenhouse gas emissions are part of this emission suite that has always been part of my, let's say, my measurement portfolio, my research portfolio. But what I like to say is I don't think my work will ever be truly done because farms are living things. They grow and they change, they react to their surroundings. And as the farms change, so do the emissions, so do the impacts of these barns. Barns. So, you know, while we can measure what we want to measure from, from one facility, we really do need to understand why those emissions are happening so that we can translate those results to other farms. So this research work, this environmental work, it's morphed into this sustainability sphere, as I like to call it. About a decade ago, I was first exposed to environmental footprint calculators. This, you know, the science behind these calculators is right up my alley, but more so um, to this day, I still remain fascinated with the user aspect. You know, what prompts a, a, chain, a decision to use one of these footprint calculator tools or just simply investigate a change. And so that's, that's where I've been focusing a lot more of my work in this uh, recent time and in, especially in this past year with Midwest Dairy. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And again, we're so excited to have you with us today. So today we're going to discuss how to increase our comfort and confidence in conversations about sustainability, the net zero initiative, and general environmental stewardship as it relates to dairy production. So sustainability is such a hot topic today, and frankly, maybe even a little bit of a buzzword. So when you're having a conversation regarding sustainability, how do you set the scene? To be honest, uh... If I, if I have the ability, I try not to focus on defining it for myself, but rather try to understand what sustainability looks like to the person I'm talking with. As an example, I was giving a sustainability talk at a, at a seminar a few months ago, and someone came up to me and said, we really need to tackle the sustainability topic. And I, I stopped and said, well, what does that mean to you? And in this person's mind, it was all about climate change. You know, so just even simply understanding what the person is asking about or focusing on that you're talking to is one way to even just start setting that scene for some of these conversations. And what are we actually talking about? Whenever I am talking about sustainability, though, I, I try to turn to the analogy of a road trip. With a road trip, you have a far off destination. You have some priorities for a trip. You may or may not be taking that trip with other people. Sometimes you're taking the same path, sometimes you're taking different, different courses, but you are heading in a similar general direction. And so this 
far off destination is what I like in, or what I like in sustainability goals too. You know, where are we trying to head? And part of the part of figuring out the path that we're going to take to try to get there, you know, that's where we start setting goals and priorities to uh, for an individual farm, for an individual company, and just even as people in general. So I like to go to that road trip analogy, uh, less about the definition and more about the path. I really like that analogy. So I know you said you don't exactly like to have a true <laughs> definition, but I am curious on what your definition of agricultural sustainability is, and maybe even specifically um, in the dairy industry. I think many of us are familiar with some very ge- broad generalizations that appear in most sustainability definitions, those being aspects of environmental, social, and economic. I do like to look at sustainability more so as a as an adjective versus a noun you know one of the most quoted definitions of sustainability is actually about sustainable development it was in the Brundtland commission report from the 1980s and sustainable development defined as the ability to meet the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs so again it was an adjective and it was about development there is a definition in the 1990s farm bill for ag sustainability. And again, it highlights environmental, social, and economic aspects in the pursuit of producing food, feed, fiber, and fuel from the biosphere. And so between these three elements of environment, economics, and social aspects, and recognition that we do need to feed the future, I think therein we find a lot of similarities in our definitions of sustainability. Often when there are conversations um, surrounding sustainability in the dairy industry, it's it's very personal. Um, how do you recommend someone navigates these conversations? For me, what I've done this past year is when I start entering these conversations about sustainability, I put forward and I like to share my assumptions about sustainability. Set the stage and, and recognize, recognize how personal some of these conversations are. So the four assumptions that I come back to are that sustainability goals and actions are personal. We don't all need to agree to the, on the same exact definition or even pathway, you know, but there are, right, we can recognize that these goals and actions are personal, but they're on, on a similar path or to a similar destination, I should say. The second assumption is that because we are charting our own course or everyone is charting their own course, there are a lot of decisions that are being made. And every decision that was is guided by, by priorities in this process, there are going to be some benefits and consequences. And so as much as we are trying to find that win-win-win situation, we know that there are going to be benefits and consequences to every decision. And it's not so much, um, and it's about recognizing that there are benefits and consequences. The third assumption is that I, as I mentioned earlier, I like to look at sustainability as a practice versus a state of being. It's easier to change a practice than a state is, is the underlying thought behind that assumption. And yeah, the far, fourth and final assumption is that this is a very ambiguous word, a very ambiguous space. And we can look at that ambiguity as, as risk, but we can also look at it as an opportunity. So, you know, an assumption are those things that we can't quite put finite proof to, but they seem to hold true. And so these are assumptions that I keep coming back to 
after every conversation or, or over time and just evaluate, do they make sense to me? And, and they, they still hold true. So as I enter into conversations, these are the assumptions that are running in the back of my mind as I'm navigating these conversations. And I feel that it gives me a little bit more space sometimes to accept what I'm hearing as well. Absolutely. I mean, I definitely think it's it's finding that common ground, um, that f- common goal. And so speaking of goals, the U.S. Dairy Net Zero Initiative was launched in 2020. Can you give us a brief overview of the initiative and what some of the primary expected outcomes are? The U.S. Dairy set forth a vision that U.S. Dairy is an environmental solution. So first, I find it fascinating and, and interesting. I mean, we look at this as a sustainability initiative, but it actually doesn't say sustainability in it. It's uh, sustainability is broader than just the environment, but they are setting this vision for dairy to be an environmental solution. To be that solution, the dairy industry collectively commits to be greenhouse gas neutral. That's the first one. Second is to optimize water use and maximize recycling. And the third is improve water quality by optimizing manure and other nutrient use. So those three priorities, the expected outcome of those three priority areas comes back to that vision that dairy can be the solution versus maybe the problem. It's a way to change the narrative that we often hear, especially in popular press. So the net zero initiative is obviously a a lofty goal, and it's something that's for the entire dairy industry. Um, How can a single dairy farm work towards contributing towards that goal? Is there certain small actions that really can play a big part that you um, could recommend? I think part of the challenge is that every farm is different. Every farm has their nuances and that's partly because of size, it's because of the style of production, region, state laws, regional laws. You know, there are so many aspects that influence how we produce milk in this country and even within a given state. So are there, is there one silver bullet? No. I think it's also important that we look at um, within the net zero initiative, it's not just carbon emissions. That's a big Big focus everywhere right now is, is carbon emissions or greenhouse gas emissions, I should say. But, you know, the net zero initiative is more than that. It's also about water quality and water, water quantity. So are there places where someone can make a difference? Absolutely. Differences don't need to be huge steps. Wonderful if they are, but we're not necessarily talking big steps. Simply understanding how a farm contributes to water use or, or water, water quality, excuse me, impacts or greenhouse gas emissions. Simply starting by understanding that, recognizing what it is, that's even a step in the direction towards participation. I think those are some really good and tangible tips. So specifically looking at the dairy industry, um, environmental footprints is often on the chopping block. Um, maybe some may even <laughs> say that the scapegoat. So are we able to actually calculate the, the footprint of milk? Well, we can calculate the footprint of milk, um, but there are some nuances into what goes into that calculation. And I think we can we can recognize our, our larger role as you know within the industry to participate in that process. So a footprint 
I'm going to use greenhouse gas footprint as an example, but recognize that this could be done for land or water use or other resources, other impacts. Uh, a greenhouse gas footprint, it's a summation of all of those greenhouse gases that are produced during the production of, let's say, milk in this case, minus those carbon emissions that are sequestered or stored within the system during production. And then that is, you're dividing that by how much of something you're producing, milk in this case. So we call that a functional unit. So the summation of greenhouse gases minus what we are storing in the system divided by the functional unit, that's a, that's a footprint. So how do we get there? Well, it is a lot of modeling, a lot of uh, generalizations as to how much greenhouse gas is used in this step versus this step versus this step in the production of milk, in the first, excuse me, in the production of milk. If we look at what's called a cradle to farm gate calculation, this extends back to where feed comes from that supports that calf from birth all the way, you know, to production of that milk. And then uh, as to, uh, to that point where milk leaves the farm gate, that's what we call a cradle to farm gate footprint. You know, I think a lot of people are surprised to know that it does go back to that feed production range. We can also look at cradle to glass or cradle to plate or cradle to, to uh, death footprints. They, they go by different names in different situations. But if we looked at from where that milk starts out from, from the production of the feed to the production of the cow to the transport to the processor, all the way to the consumer and you know, the eventual use of that milk at the consumer or wasted at the consumer, you know, that's, that's a different boundary. So with, depending on which boundary it is, we look at all of those greenhouse gases that go in there. Now, like I said, we look at these individual processes that happen along that that chain. Some points we have a lot of data for and other points we don't. And so this is where I think we can be more in tune with what's going on. How can we best describe the industry? How can we best describe the practices that go on in different regions and different states and even just on different farms? How can we support data gathering, recognizing, you know, everyone's right to privacy, but how can we support more data there? Even when we look at the different products, that dairies use, do those products have accurate footprints? Because if a product is used on a farm, ultimately that's gonna go into a, um, the footprint for a glass of milk as well. So is there some kind of baseline list that shows the emission levels um, for different farming practices that could help evaluate, let's say maybe the level of a specific dairy's level of sustainability? But there are what we call baseline calculations. Now, there's been different baseline calculations done for the U.S. industry as a whole over time in 2007, 2017, or therein about. Uh, and sometimes they can break it down into some specific practices that are used in broader regions across the country. To get at a footprint for a farm or the individual or the impact by an individual farm, we do have a couple of tools available to calculate these baseline numbers or maybe even moving beyond baseline annual report numbers. The, an example is the uh, environmental stewardship modules through the farm, uh, farm ES system that's um, delivered through the processors. So that's an example system where we can, or a farm can share their data. Uh, the data goes into this 
uh, environmental stewardship module and a footprint is generated and the footprint demonstrates what is the uh, energy use, what are the greenhouse gas emissions, you know, that go into this individual farm's operation. So it's a starting point to get at, for an individual farm, where, where, what is the impact, first of all, where is that impact? And so that decisions can be made on where do we think we can make changes that are most effective that fit our goals as well. So many sustainability goals are fairly long-term. We just, earlier we're talking about the net zero initiative, um, but how do you recommend that someone maintains some momentum when they have a goal um, for their dairy that may be long-term? Yeah, these are, uh, when we talk about sustainability, we are talking long-term. You know, the net zero initiative has a goal that, of being, this, uh, being the environmental solution because by 2050, they commit to these priorities, right? It is a long-term goal. And so between that and some practices that do take some time to implement, how do we maintain some momentum? So part of it is looking at this as strategic planning. Look at sustainability planning as strategic planning. Um, with strategic planning, there's usually some performance indicators that need to be regularly reviewed and come and you need to come back to to see, are we on this path that we want to be on? So while we, while I'm actively promoting, get a baseline done, just see where you're at. It's more than just getting a baseline after that point. It is about coming back to that and, and recognizing when things change and why things change. Because these are long-term plans, I do think there is this opportunity, opportunity to involve the next generation. That might not be an option on all farms, but I think where it is, this is a good chance to get more people involved. As a just a, a side example, I was having a conversation with a family member and the conversation was about a ban on plastic bags that you would get at a grocery store, for example. And the family member commented, well, what difference is it really going to make for me um, other than <laughs> maybe being a, a nuisance? And I said, you know, it might not make that big of a difference um, in your lifetime, but what about your grandkids? You know, so we have to kind of take off some of our, um, uh, some of the notion about how this is also, how is this solely going to affect me, but also how is this going to affect that next generation? You know, the net zero initiative, sustainability goals um, by other industries, by other companies, you know, it's a lot of it is about market access. And, and enabling some market access, not only now, but in the future as well. And so there's a lot of different ways to look at these sustainability conversations, what, what drives them, but also what are some of the reasons for participating and what are the, some of the reasons to come back and review them over time. And so I hope those are some ideas um, to add into your own conversations. Absolutely. I think that's a, a really good light to shine on it where we're not doing things just for ourselves, but um, for our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, um, leaving a legacy, absolutely. So we're not the end of our conversation, um, but before we wrap up, I'd like to ask you a question that I've asked each of our podcast guests, and it's a little bit um, different than the rest of the questions here, but I'd like to know, um, and especially get your perspective on this, but what does an animal-centered environment mean to you? Oh, I love this question. In my role as an engineer, you know, particularly focused on air quality, at least from a research perspective, I find that we have so much more to gain 
if we start with that animal-centered approach. How can we first look at improving the environment for the welfare and the health of an animal? Because what we reduce in the barn for the benefit of the animal and, and the workers for that matter, we reduce what moves to the environment. We reduce what moves out of the fans. We reduce what goes through the, the sidewalls in our barns. So that then further benefits the environment and the surrounding communities. Improving the animal environment further speaks to some different economics. You know, if we are realizing a change in production and maybe not huge gains in production, but even differences in even the medications that we need to use or, or improved health, improved um, morale in a barn, right? That's, that's changing the payback for a change. So it, there's a broader, uh, there's broader impacts, I feel, when we can look at improving the environment in the barn versus solely changing what's happening, what's, uh, versus solely focusing on what's leaving the barn. Absolutely. Well, thank you again so much, Dr. Corris, for your time and insights and really explaining how we can um, better communicate dairy sustainability aspects. So thanks again, everyone, for listening, and we will talk to you in our next episode. Thank you for joining us for another Dairy Intelligent episode. We hope you have found some suggestions to improve cow comfort on your farm or simply just learn something new. If you have not already, please be sure to subscribe to our channel on your favorite podcast platform and let your friends know about us. We would love to have them listen and learn.